We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers for NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is the Sacramento Bee's Chris Biederman, and we have a ton of free agency stuff to get into. Both Chris and I thought, yeah, slow free agency period. It has not been. It's been a busy one, so we're going to dive into that. We'll also talk about Brock Purdy's elbow surgery and what that means for the 49ers since he had that surgery on Friday. We have not done a pod since then, so... We'll get into that a little bit as well. Here we go. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. This is the second time where I've felt like we haven't podcasted together in like six weeks when really it's been about a week. There's been a lot of news um, since the last time we podcasted and like seeing the news today and then being like, well, yeah, we, st- we still got to talk about Brock Purdy too. It's been, uh, it, it, it has felt like a while, but I'm glad we have a lot of actual stuff to talk about instead of like speculation and we have answers to questions. Um, that's always pretty helpful to to like frame the context of what this off season is going to look like. I knew Purdy's surgery was going to be on Friday and I was like, I should take my podcasting stuff so we can do something Friday night. I'm really glad I didn't. I'm super glad I didn't. I had a great time <laughs> Friday night in San Diego. Just, just not podcast. And I, I, I love doing this with you, but podcasting for an hour of that would have been a real damper. <laughs> sure. Sure, I got. Let's, I, let's, I hear that for sure. Let, let's talk about Brock Purdy's injury uh, or his his surgery. Now he wound up getting the internal brace, the repair surgery. Now there's been no official timeline given. He'll be throwing again in three months. That's when his throwing program starts. But as far as a return to play timeline, Peter King wrote in the Football Morning in America in his column that it's like five to six months full return to play. But nothing has been made official on that. But everything before the surgery said six months. So that's just kind of kind of what I'm gonna go with until until someone says otherwise. And that six month timeline is really interesting because he had the surgery on March 10th. 
So if he comes back six months to the day of his surgery, he comes back like two days before the regular season starts. And that's where, oh, I'm sorry. No, the 10th would be the Sunday that the season starts. So this is going to be fascinating. So because go ahead. No, I mean, the so what Kyle Shanahan had pointed out at his end of season press conference was that it would basically be three months from the surgery to when he can resume throwing. So presumably Brock Purdy could resume throwing by June and then how he his return to football gets determined after that, right? So it's not like he's going to return right. to throwing in six months. He's going to return to throwing in June. And then depending on how his arm strength is and how his elbow is reacting, he'll be back to throwing at some point, you know, close to football action, at least in August. So there is a possibility that Brock Purdy's timeline could get accelerated based on how he recovers and he could be practicing with the team come training camp, which is ultimately going to be pretty important for him, right? Like, and I think you and I both view him as a 49ers starting quarterback. And I think the way the 49ers have operated on Monday, which we're obviously going to talk about, we're recording this Monday afternoon. The way the 49ers have operated today at the start of the quote unquote early tampering period, which is a funny way to phrase it, but um, they're operating as a negotiating window. (laughs) It's a negotiating window. Yeah. Now it's finally open. There's been no negotiating anywhere else, not at the combine. Not with agents back channeling, no text messages. It hasn't started until Monday. So just want to be totally clear about that. Deals that were announced eight minutes into the legal negotiating window (laughs) just came together super quick. Yeah, it's wild how that works out. (laughs) But the the, the larger point here is that the 49ers are operating as if Brock Purdy's their starting quarterback, evident by the moves that they've been making um, and what the, the big contracts they're able to give out. Like you and I both kind of thought the 49ers were largely going to sit out for agency, right? But they're able to give out an $80 million contract to Javon Hargrave in large part because Brock Purdy in 2023, at least, is going to count for less than $900,000 against the salary cap, which is wild to think about and probably makes him the best contract in the NFL. If he's a starting quarterback who's going to play like a top half of the league quarterback like he did the second half of last season to be making $889,253 against the salary cap, according to overthecap.com. I kind of think it's the best draft pick of all time. <laughs> it might be. If he ends up being the Niners franchise quarterback and ends up winning a Super Bowl at some point, he, you could make a case that he's the best. Like draft you literally ever. can't do better than that. You cannot yeah. do better than picking a guy last who quarterbacks your team to the Super Bowl. But ultimately, what Brock Purdy's surgery means is that they have they feel like they're going to have their starting quarterback and they're not going to have to go do something drastic um and even if he's not ready for week one like if even if it's october that's still better than you know not even being able to throw until like november or whatever the right you know the seven to nine month time frame would have been um if if he had to have the the you know, the, the more extensive surgery on, on his UCL. So I think, I think the 49ers breathe a sigh of relief on Friday and they created a plan around that 
around the fact that Brock Purdy is going to be able to start for the majority of the season, presumably, mm-hmm. or at least he'll be back in time to start at some point early on in the year. And they spent accordingly in getting Javon Hargrave on Monday. I'm fascinated by the Sam Darnold edition in regards to the quarterback situation. So they add him on a one-year deal. We don't have the structure yet. But I, I, I had been under the impression that the 49ers quarterback signing would kind of give us a good idea of how they view Brock Purdy moving forward, how they view Trey Lance going forward. But Sam Darnold like lands in a no man's land there to me. Because okay, so so Brock Purdy will be ready by by week one, maybe week two. Let's just go with that. Darnold to me is is good enough that he could conceivably push for the QB two job behind Purdy. But also it wouldn't be outrageous if he's just their QB three. And he's overqualified for that, probably. But it's not, like, insane. But it's also not a slam dunk that he's QB2 in some iteration of the 49ers QB room. So I was waiting on this this quarterback signing, so the 49ers agreed to a one-year deal with Sam Darnold. I was waiting on that signing to inform me about where the Niners are with their other QBs, but to me this doesn't. Yeah, like I think, look, the history under Kyle Shanahan as 49ers head coach has been they've needed to use three starting quarterbacks at various points. Like they needed to do it in 2017. They needed to do it in 2018. Uh, 2020 was there three. Yeah, I believe they had three in 2020. Garoppolo, Beathard, and Mullins. And then they had three this last year. So four out of Kyle Shanahan's six seasons, they've started at least three quarterbacks. So if you're funny, Mullins tore his UCL, by the way, (laughs) at the end of the year, right? Yes. So, and the only other quarterback we've seen have that injury from like an impact, not like a Ben Roethlisberger, like wear and tear. Um, So if you're a backup quarterback looking to rehab his value potentially in the league, then the 49ers would seemingly be a good spot, whether you're the number two or number three quarterback right Right. and Mm -hmm. and i think sam darnold doesn't to me say a lick about brock purdy it says a lot about trey lance does it how so because if they felt rock solid that trey lance would at least be a viable winner who needed zero competition i don't think i think they would have just added nate sudfeld or another undrafted free agent right like they don't feel that they feel like they need competition for trey lance for the number two job and i think this leaves open the possibility that like hey maybe some team comes calling in the offseason and offers us a draft pick for trey lance and we can move off of this and then just move forward with sam darnold as a backup but is darnold good enough that you feel good about that like that's, I know if, that's that's kind of my big question here is like I could see that like I'm I'm with that could absolutely be a thing but I could also see the Niners looking at this and going okay he's the top end of the group of quarterbacks that'll take a QB3 job and if he winds up as QB2 fine and if he has to start a game 
fine with it. But also, if it's just Brock Purdy and Trey Lance and Sam Darnold is either inactive or or active and not playing on game days, like that tracks as well. Would it surprise you if come the regular season, the 49ers keep all three quarterbacks on their 53-man roster? Or maybe there's a exception there's a fifth there's a 54 spot for the third quarterback would it surprise you at all if sam darnold is active and trey lance is inactive Mm. it would surprise me a little bit because if 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 it got to the point to me if it got to that point where they're like oh yeah trey lance is worse than sam darnold then i think they'd just move him because his 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 value isn't going to get any better by him being inactive every game day behind Sam Darnold. Yeah, but uh, you're also you'd also be moving him when his value's at its lowest, right? Theoretically. Well, that's, but, but right, but to me, like it's only going to get lower from there. Yeah, potentially. You're not going to go say... into next offseason and be like, hey, now he's in year four and he still hasn't played. Yeah, yeah. I, I just just to me, like go going to get Sam Darnold, and obviously the 49ers need another quarterback. They were going to get another quarterback at some point this offseason because with Brock Purdy's injury, you need multiple quarterbacks just to have like an offseason program and a training camp, right? So, like, but to get somebody, a former first round pick, um, a guy who still has some upside, a guy who did win some games last year, who has played good football in the league, to me indicates like, you know, this is going to be, this feels like a competition for the backup job. It doesn't feel like Sam Darnold signing this contract to be like, all right, I'm cool with being the number three. Maybe two guys ahead of me get hurt and I'll have an opportunity. This feels like Sam Darnold is coming to the 49ers to compete with Trey Lance to, to be the backup. That's that's my interpretation mm-hmm. of this. Yeah, I and, think. And Trey yeah. Lance will probably get the reps if he's healthy because he knows the offense he's, and he's been in the system longer. But I don't think he has enough equity in the building for them to think that Sam Darnold could not overtake him. Yeah, that's what's going to be interesting. Like, Lance will be QB1 going into the offseason for sure. But I definitely think that the door's open for Darnold. But also, I don't I don't think that he was signed with the intention of making him QB2. No, I think that, that ultimately, yeah, I, I think ultimately, like big picture, regardless of what the order is, the 49ers have needed three quarterbacks in four of their last six seasons to start mm-hmm. games. And yeah. so regardless of whatever the ordering is, you just like they just feel more urgency than other teams to potentially have a third quarterback who's capable of starting games in the league. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. That makes more sense than Chase Daniel or whoever. I just, I'm just very curious to see, like, does this signal that they are in fact just out on Trey Lance? Because yeah, that possibility that, okay, so exists that's, also. So right, so that door is open with the Darnold signing, but the Darnold edition is not like, oh, they're for sure out. I think the jury's out. Like the the they're open to the idea, but also. I don't think it's crazy to think, and I don't think that they're out entirely on the idea of Lance stepping in as QB1 in the offseason and just showing like, yeah, hey, here's market improvement in this area and this area and this area, and he's QB2 moving forward. 
I think the likelihood that he surpasses Brock Purdy in an offseason program and training camp, I, I don't I don't think that's probably on the table for them. I or it, I'm sure it's on the table for them, but I just don't think it's in the realm of like realistic possibilities. But I definitely think they're open to him being outplayed by Sam Darnold. Yeah, and I think too, another part of it could be like, all right, if we go into an offseason without somebody to push Trey Lance, then is Trey Lance not going to like maybe the best shot at developing Trey Lance and getting him to play with urgency in the offseason is if you mm-hmm. push him for his spot. Yeah. Because last year he was right. just kind of given the starting quarterback job in the offseason. They were just like, yeah, we traded for Trey Lance. Trey Lance is our guy this year. And that's not to say that I think Trey Lance is going to work any harder or less hard or whatever based on what the circumstances are. But maybe they're like, yeah, we kind of gave it to him unchallenged last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe he would have gotten better as the season wore on if, if he didn't get hurt. But I do think there's an element of like, yeah, we want to make sure we have a contingency plan in case this doesn't work out. And maybe this also allows us to push him in a way he hasn't been pushed before. So Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports reported that the Lions submitted a bylaw proposal that will allow for an emergency quarterback. Each team could designate a third QB from an actives or practice squad who can be activated during the game if the two active QBs are ruled out for the rest of the game. And I think that's just going to kind of just to fit in with this conversation here. I think that's going to change roster constructions a lot. And I think it's going to make a guy like Sam Darnold valuable to a team like the 49ers that's had all these injury issues at quarterback where they're perfectly comfortable with him. It's like, yeah, if he has to get activated for the NFC championship game, you feel a lot better about it than if it's Josh Johnson. Yeah. Or who are like, who's the guy who is their, uh, their third QB one year is a guy from the Texans, like TJ Yates. Yeah. You feel better about him than, than that. But I also, I think, like I said, he's right in that middle ground of quarterback that, it's like, okay, he could be QB3, but also back up Brock Purdy. Yeah. And I don't think either one's outrageous. No, and, and to to the point about the, the roster construction thing, like it might be that they just decide to have three quarterbacks on the 53 and that yeah. this isn't about, you know, stashing one guy in the practice squad. Because remember, if, if one guy's on the practice squad, that guy can get snatched up by anybody really yeah. to any point and get yeah. added to a 53 man roster elsewhere. Right. So I think Darnold's probably good enough to where you can't really have him on the practice squad because if another team dealt with an injury, they'd be like, all right, well, we'll just go get he Sam Darnold. Get, he wouldn't even, I don't think he'd be subject to waivers. I don't even think he'd get to the practice squad. Like if yeah. they just released him, I think another team would just sign him. Yeah, like, probably. Sudfeld freaking got signed. Yeah. Yeah. So another I think quarterback news. Yeah. Go you for want to it. put a bow on that? No, I think I I think that's it. I I just think this is we're in we're in uh, we're at a point where we're not entirely sure what Trey Lance's future is. Like we talked about it being like an important offseason for Trey Lance, but now it's like, man, if Trey Lance doesn't win the backup job at least, mm-hmm. or potentially the starting job if Brock Purdy can't start week one or week two or week three or whatever, then like, all right we have our answer on Trey Lance and and the 49ers are kind of positioning themselves to have a contingency plan in case that's the case. Yeah. And I think honestly, like, I think that makes sense. Just they're, they're in the business of trying to win a title, not 
you know, play roster politics. Yeah. So that makes sense. In other quarterback news, the Jimmy Garoppolo era is over. He's gone. He's joining the Raiders on a three-year deal. $67.5 million. It's 22.5 per year. 34.5 guaranteed or 33.5 guaranteed. 45 guaranteed for injury. And he's... Is this going to be the last time we bring him up on this podcast? I hope so. I mean, maybe not until the Niners and Raiders play in the Super Bowl. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> the Sports Center graphic came out that was Devonte Adams, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, and Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's like, how do you feel about this Raiders offense now? Like exactly the way I felt about it with Derek Carr. I saw one betting Give website. <laughs> I saw one betting website. It was uh, Raiders. Raiders chances to win the Super Bowl or Raiders odds to win the Super Bowl or plus 4,000 last week. Raiders odds to win the Super Bowl after adding Jimmy Garoppolo plus 4,000. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most lateral quarterback move of all time. It I will is. say, I think there's things Derek Carr does better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but there are definitely things Jimmy Garoppolo does better than Derek Carr. And one of those things is he's not going to just throw the ball into the dirt on fourth down with the game on the line. Probably not. He might throw it into a linebacker's chest, but boy, is he going to throw it? I think the thing is with the Raiders, they're they, like if you're Josh McDaniels, you look at it like, yeah, we've had this guy in New England. We drafted him. We know, you know, what he's like. We know he's a culture fit, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, to your point, there isn't a huge, dramatic, clear cut difference. Mm-hmm. So why not just get the cheaper option, which you know Jimmy Garoppolo one, clearly is? You know what one big difference is? He's not a fucking weirdo. That helps. That helps the... Co- Dude, look, okay, all, Derek Carr, no, like, he's fine. He's weird. He's a weird dude. Yeah. And I just think it's going to be helpful in their locker room to have a guy that everybody seems to like, like Jimmy Garoppolo. Derek Carr is... So Jimmy Garoppolo is going to average $22.5 million a year. Derek Carr is mm-hmm. with... New Orleans is going to be making $15 a $15 million a year more. That's he is not $15 million better. And, and so I, close. I get that from the Raiders perspective. I think Jimmy. It, and if, I mean, the big issue with Jimmy's health, right? Like if, if he does not hold up from a health standpoint, then it's not a great move. And you have plenty of injury history there. The 49ers and their fans obviously are plenty familiar with what that looks like. But if he's healthy, Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of the perfect bridge quarterback mm-hmm. because you can win with him, still potentially draft somebody, and he's not going to cost you know $37 million or anywhere near the top of the quarterback market, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're the Raiders, you're like, well, we're in kind of a transition period at quarterback. We feel like we have a middle-of-the-road starting quarterback. Why would we pay... $37.5 million to a middle-of-the-road starting quarterback right. when we could get a middle-of-the-road quarterback for 22 and a half. Yeah, I don't think the Raiders did this with the hope of getting better. Like, they just no. have uh, maybe a better locker room fit. Because I don't know, it, I don't... The way Derek Carr exited there was strange to me and made me think there was something more going on than just his play. But... They now pick seventh, and I think you make a good point because, okay, maybe at seven you're taking Anthony Richardson or Will Levis one or somebody that you think is more of a project, and they get to sit behind Garoppolo for a year. 
and you don't have to tank in that year. You can still try and compete as best as possible. So the thing I'm fascinated to see is what Garoppolo looks like out of the 49ers ecosystem. Like, I think we're just going to learn a lot about him. Is it all Kyle Shanahan? Was it a little bit Kyle Shanahan? Was it none Kyle Shanahan? He's going to have weapons. And the question to me that's really going to get answered is like, can you win with Jimmy Garoppolo with a defense that's middle of the road or worse? Right. That's really their issue. Every time he's won in San Francisco, they've had a top eight defense. Yeah. So I'm fascinated to see what that looks like. You know, rooting rooting for him, I have nothing against the guy. But I just, I, I think that these are questions everybody's had since he started winning in San Francisco. And I think we'll get those answers. In Vegas. Yeah, and, and to a man, like, everything I've heard about Jimmy, and you'll hear it on the record or off the record, like, everybody loves Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Like in that locker room every and that's that's a really big deal like it was mm-hmm. a big deal that the 49ers drafted trey lance and still started jimmy garoppolo and went to the nfc championship game there wasn't like you know like when jimmy garoppolo was benched he didn't pull a Derek Carr and say oh i need to be away from the team to in order to not be a distraction right when really all you're doing by being away from the team while you're under contract and technically a part of the team is being a distraction because now the media is going to ask your teammates about you instead mm-hmm. of you being there to speak on your own behalf. That was a yeah. that was a crazy thing about how Derek Carr handled his his exit with the Raiders. Like, oh, I don't want to be really a distraction. I'm just going to put all the onus on my teammates to talk about this, and I don't want to talk about it. So I'm I'm going to take myself out of this situation. That that's what makes me think there was something going on with him and some players in the locker room. Yeah, and you heard you've heard that about Derek Carr for years. Yes. Yes. So we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, anyway. interesting to see. I think the Raiders are, I have some Raiders fans in my life and a lot of them feel like this is, they're, they're not what? super pumped about getting Jimmy Garoppolo. They feel pretty much the same about their offense. My buddy Joe Spadoni. He's a he's a host and a technical director in 95.7. He is a big Raider fan. And his take is, and I think this is the correct take. Like, they didn't sign him for $40 million a year. He's a bridge quarterback that they got for bridge quarterback money. And he's fine with it. And I think that's I think that's the right take. Yeah. You have a competent yeah. starting quarterback, which Derek Carr was People too. People tend to like, but you're paying substantially less for. Yeah, you just have to hope he stays healthy. Yep. In other big 49ers news, they made a signing: Javon Hargrave, Eagles defensive tackle. They signed him to a four-year deal worth eighty-four million dollars with forty million guaranteed. So Javon Hargrave depending on who you asked, was one of the like three best free agents available. Three to five. And he was a player that I thought like, yeah, hey, a really good interior defensive lineman would fit on any team, but especially with the Niners. But I didn't think there was any way they were going to afford a contract that he was going to get. Well, they did. And I think this is going to wind up being and it, there's not a huge selection to choose from. It's Richard Sherman, Traverius Ward, and help me out if there's if I'm missing one. But Kyle Uzcheck, Kyle Uzcheck. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but I think he's going to be like their best free agent signing under John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, in terms of what he gives them and how much he elevates elevates their defense or elevates their team, I, I'm with you 100. percent In that scope he could be one of, if not the best free agents that they sign. But zooming and a half sacks the last two years from the interior. Zooming out to me, and this is a like, I have zero problems with the, with this move. I think what it's going to require though, like I'm looking at over the cap right now, the Niners have as of Monday afternoon on over the cap, three and a half, 3.75, excuse me, million dollars in salary cap space. And obviously, a four-year, $84 million contract does not indicate that you could fit that very easily. But then you start looking at the 49ers' individual deals and what, ga- what like, the guaranteed salary ratios are to their, you know, to their base salary. Like, Eric Armstead, no guaranteed salary. Fred Warner, no guaranteed salary. Christian McCaffrey, no guaranteed salary. And then a few guys with, you know, less than half of their base salary being guaranteed george kittle um charvarius uh yeah charvarius ward nick bosa's deal is going to look a lot different like there's a lot of restructuring that's going to have to happen to make this work and when you sign a bunch of guys to relatively 
quote unquote team friendly deals at the outset, even though they're big money number, they're they're big number like initially the Armstead contract, the Kittle contract, the Trent Williams contract, all those big money deals, but they were team friendly in the sense that there was little guarantees, which gives you flexibility to move money around and create more cap space. Obviously, mm-hmm. when you do that, those big contracts become more onerous because you're basically kicking the can down the road. But if your championship window is open, that's just the price of doing business. Anyway, the 49ers are going to have to do a bunch of restructuring to get this Javon Hargrave contract in. And there's no doubt that they're going to be able to do that. But to me, when you zoom out even further and just look like, okay, the team is admitting that the DeForest Buckner trade has been a debacle. Yes, in every (laughs) conceivable sense. (laughs) And so this is obviously had they had DeForest Buckner and they re-signed him in 2020, they're not doing this deal because and clearly they feel like the best version of their defense in 2019 just had dude after dude after dude after dude along their defensive line. And they still had Mm -hmm. a really good defensive line last year. But without Javon Kinlaw being a productive player for them, um, with losing Hassan Ridgeway to injury midway through the season, and just the depth, the depths that they had to go to just add players to that defensive line, the T.Y. McGill, uh, you know, other people like, no, they, they need their defensive line to be better if they're going to win a Super Bowl. And yeah. so the hypothetical, or I guess theoretical, starting four along the defensive front with Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, and Drake Jackson. Sure. That, that again, could be a 2019-level defensive line. And that is, I mean, that's a great thing for the 49ers. And we've talked about it on this podcast before, but I am all in on the idea of maintaining your strengths, like making sure your strength is your strength no matter what. And this team is built around its defensive line. And by continuing to reinforce the defensive line, you never have to worry about having to play a different brand of football. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to like, okay, we have our, we have a good two or three guys along the defensive line. But if we lose one of those guys injuries, well, we have to change the way we play defense or we have to change how we operate philosophically. And by just continuing to add these resources to the defensive line, they'll say, all right, our defensive line is going to be good no matter what. That's the type of brand we want to play. And that's why we're going to be incredibly hard to score on because we're going to get after the quarterback. And now they have guys that can play in the secondary too. Yeah, They have Mooney Ward. They have Tayshawn Gibson, Diamador Lenore, and Talano Fogger coming back. Maybe Emmanuel Mosley. Like They got to figure out that other corner spot. And maybe Jimmy Ward comes back at nickel corner. Who knows? But yeah, I I I like the idea of the 49ers finally just being like, screw this, not trying to make Dion Jordan work anymore, not bringing in stop gaps like Hassan Ridgeway and needing to elevate a guy like T.Y. McGill. And God love Kevin Givens, who they re-signed on a one-year deal. He's a restricted free agent. He got $2 million guaranteed. Like 2.1 with $2 million of it guaranteed. But like those guys are fine rotational players. In a big spot, you need to have a guy in the middle that you can just rely on. DeForest Buckner was that guy. Eric Armstead was that guy. It was Nick Bosa and D Ford the Super Bowl year. When they needed a a, a 
when they needed to get a stop, that it was that that four up front. The version of the 49ers defensive line that has Javon Kinlaw on the field for big downs and then big games is not going to be productive. Like, that's not conducive to winning. And so when they get into a big third down in a playoff game, you know that there's going to be an interior presence that just hasn't been there from a pass rushing perspective since DeForest Buckner left. And that's kind of the big thing. Now they can push the pocket more from the middle. They their run defense is already pretty good. I don't want to I don't want to sit here and sound like there's a ton of complaints there, but he's going to help them out in that respect as well. And now a guy like Kevin Givens gets put into a role where he can thrive more. He's not going to be relied on as much. Javon Kinlaw, maybe a lesser role will actually be helpful for him. Yeah, where he's playing on a rotational basis. So I and then I'm sure they'll resign a couple guys and draft a couple guys and they'll fill out a line that way, but. If you're going to have the the defensive line be the tip of your spear, you need to have a group that's like, yes, this four is going to make a play when we need it. And maybe Drake Jackson's that guy. I don't I don't know. They got to figure out the side opposite Nick Bosa, but Armstead, Hargrave, and Bosa is a really really good start. Yeah, and what was the thing about DeForest Buckner that always stood out among defensive tackles? It was his. It was his durability. Yes. He, he never missed time. Hassan Ridgeway. Games played since coming in the league in 2016. 15, 16, 16, 16, 15, 16, 17. Man. So he's he's Not durable. Bad. And he had 11 sacks last year and seven and a half year the, the year before that. So who knows what the sack numbers will look like, but you have a guy who was by some metrics, like a top five interior pass rusher in the NFL last year. Yeah. Adding a guy who is potentially that good to play next to Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa could potentially be really scary. I think he had 66 pressures last year. I think that's right from the interior. Like that's ridiculous. He's just so much better than anybody else they were rolling out next to Eric Armstead last year. Whether yeah. it's Hassan Ridgeway or Javon Kinlaw or Maurice Hurst or whoever. Like, yeah. he is an elite player at that position. And I think yeah. you're right. Like, it's it's definitely an admission of, of, of failure in replacing DeForest Buckner. But I think where teams get in trouble is when they just keep hammering their head against the Javon Kinlaw wall. Yeah, just saying like, nope, this was the move. This is the guy. And you wind up with the same results. And instead, they watched him get pushed around in the NFC title game last year while not being healthy. And they watched Javon Har- uh, Javon Hargrave dominate on the other side and go, okay, that's the guy. Two Javons Two at Javons. D-Tackle. One Javon, one Javoff. Mm. I don't like how that came out. <laughs> that joke doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. It doesn't sit right with my spirit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is um, 30. I guess that's, or he will be 30 next season. His birthday dude. is February 7th. Yeah, yeah so we just, just turned 30. 30. Yeah. Um, dude, this is free agency really drives home how old I'm getting. I turned 33. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm commiserating. I'm commiserating okay. with the older folks. I'm not saying I'm super old yet, but, it's the like 
a guy like Javon Hargrave, where I'm like, well, he's 30. And I'm just like, I'm significantly older than he is. I've been reminded by multiple people in my life, not me, but multiple people in my life recently have said, damn, you're 36 this year. That's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, thanks for saying that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Hey, awesome hey. point by you. Thanks. Hey, for what it's worth, you barely act like you're over 30. I appreciate that. <laughs> really, really appreciate that. <laughs> No, you but, have you have the golf acumen of a much older man. Thank wow, that means the world <laughs> means the world coming from you. Um, so I forget what point I was going to make, but do you want to talk about Mike McGlinchey? Yeah, Mike McGlinchey. I, I mean, this bag. man, he sure did. And I think you and I said it. We've been talking about it in the group chat with Nick. Like, I think Mike McGlinchey's contract when he gets it is going to raise the eyebrows of a lot of people who follow the 49ers five years, 87 and a half million dollars. Yes. 17 and a half million guaranteed. He would have been one of the highest paid players on the 49ers roster. Yes. He's a very good player. Not the, I'm not going to sit here and say he's irreplaceable. He's not Trent Williams, but like, that's an indication. The Broncos are investing heavily in their offensive line. And that's an indication of where the league views him. Has he been up and down in pass protection? Yes. But he's been an excellent run blocker. He's stayed an excellent run blocker. Save for 2021 when he tore his quad. He's been durable. And he's been on the field. And he missed four games in 2019 too. But other than that, he's been on the field. He played all 17 last year. I think last year he actually had his best year in as a, as a pass blocker. But... I just I I'm going to stick by the take that the Niners are going to have a much harder time replacing them than people think than some people think. I think so there there are a few different there are a few different free agent classes, right? Like if you're a team and you're you're potentially looking at who you want to pay down the line. Like the 49ers have paid guys who are elite at their positions, right? They've paid George Kittle, Fred Warner, Trent Williams, um, and there are guys who'd be like, well, we like this player, but he's probably going to get more on the open market than we're willing to pay for him. Mm-hmm. He's not a- elite of the elite. So we don't feel like there's a whole lot of value in giving him a market commiserate with what he could get on like from another team in free agency. And McGlinchey's like the classic case, right? Like McGlinchey, yes. he's 29 this year. And while I think he's a good player, I think 17 and a half million is is like that's that feels like inflated by free agency. It's a little steep. It's a little steep. Like so yeah, really good run blocking offensive lineman, good enough in pass protection to to be probably better than average even though he's had some moments that obviously weren't great. Um I think there were I think McGlinchey got a really bad rap on social media. I totally agree. <laughs> and I think that the like social media highlights or lowlights sort of painted this picture of McGlinchey like he's a terrible player. It's like, nah, man, like offensive linemen get beat sometimes. And if you're a team playing the 49ers, you're going to line your best pass rusher up against Mike McGlinchey because that has a much better chance of affecting the court, the opposing quarterback than lining him up against Trent Williams. 
So Mike McGlinchey, more times than not, was going up against opponents' best pass rushers. And like, yeah, he's not a perfect player. He's going to get beat sometimes. Most offensive linemen, with the exception of Trent Williams, get beat. Right? Yeah. So McGlinchey yeah. caught a bad rap. He didn't help himself with a couple tweets and things like that. But like, no, nah, man, I'm happy for him that that he got paid. But I think 17 and a half, I understand why the 49ers were not like, yeah, let's like to me, the 49ers probably would have been like, yeah, we'll give you like 13 and a half a year. Yeah. And then the I, free agency aspect just bumps it up to 17. And he's, you know, he's CAA. Like he's he's got agents who can yeah, who can sell other teams on. No doubt. And I think there was there's probably a sizable bidding war for him too. It sounds which, like it. Which definitely helps. Sounds like the Bears were absolutely interested. So, I don't I <laughs> I just think like throwing Colton McKivitz into the into the right tackle spot, which it looks like the Niners are going to do. They signed him to a two-year extension or two-year contract. I think he's a restricted free agent. They got him on a two-year contract. And it sounds like he's just the in-house move at right tackle. And was he adequate there when filling in? Like, sure. Or was he adequate at tackle when filling in? Sure. But it's not like, oh, yeah, Colt McKivitz. They got They got better. Or there's not going to be a noticeable difference. I think there's going to be a noticeable difference between him and Mike McGlinchey. Say Colton McKivitz is 80% of Mike McGlinchey. He's getting, what, 20% of the money? Yeah. That's not the actual math, but that it's something around that, right? Yeah. So. But <laughs> my my thing is I, I, get, I get that idea, but that's also what they... That was also the theory with DeForest Buckner and Javon Kinlaw. Like, well, he might only be 70% of DeForest Buckner, but he's making 25% of the money. So, well, the difference is, is they know what they have in McKivitz, whereas Buckner, they were yeah. drafting him and, or sorry, Kinlaw, they were drafting him and he was unknown. Cold McKivitz got cut last year. Yeah. Like, that's a wild jump. I don't, hey, I don't know, man. It's just, it may, may I'm sure it's going to be fine. Like, we, we spent, all offseason last year talking about their offensive line and they don't have anybody on the interior and oh it's Jake Brendel at center he's never played and it's Aaron Aaron Banks and whatever. and it ended up being fine. But I kind of think it's gonna be like I don't think McKivitz is some all pro in the making, but I think it's gonna be fine. I just think the people who have issues with Mike McGlinch are gonna have similar issues with Colt McKivitz. That's all. <laughs> right, right. I think that's fair. I don't think it's like, gonna be like holy hell, look at they upgraded Talking about like, oh, McKivitz was cut last year and like how it like it's crazy how things change, right? Because this time last year, Trey Lance was a starter of the number one unquestioned quarterback mm-hmm. for a contending team. And now it's like, are we sure Trey Lance is going to be a backup? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like that a lot can change in a year. Yeah, a lot can change in a year. So. Anything we're missing? No, still no Aaron Rodgers news. Still none, huh? Seems it's like the Jets, Jets players are also are are super excited about it. Or just sending off tweets about how happy they are, even though nothing's happened, I guess. Trey Wingo reported that it's done. Yeah, so. I mean, maybe it. Uh, <laughs> who no knows, man? Happened. Aaron Rodgers is such a unique cat that like it's hard to say Dude. who he talks to. What's you know, like 
we're kind Some of doctor expecting on the Joe Rogan pod is going to break that. <laughs> Maybe Joe Rogan himself breaks it. <laughs> and then so, Nick Bosa tweets it out. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I, dude, I, you know, I made the joke about Jimmy Garoppolo being gone and thank God we don't have to talk about him anymore, but I'm so glad we're not a Packers podcast. Can you imagine just being beholden to the whims of Aaron Rodgers every offseason for the last three years after getting bounced in the playoffs? It hasn't been all that different. It's been a little different. I mean, but the circumstance, like the Packers were like, okay, really good team contender with quarterback uncertainty. Niners have been a really good team and a contender with quarterback uncertainty. (laughs) Yeah, but it's the type of uncertainty, right? Yeah, yeah. Like last not... year, it was weird, but he was Jimmy was hurt, and there's just no market, so it just kind of wound up coming back, and it was just a matter of circumstance. It wasn't Jimmy being like, "I don't know what I'm gonna do," I don't know. Right. I just, yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I, it, it speaks to overall, like the thing we keep harping on with Jimmy. It's like, yeah, maybe he's not an elite quarterback. Yeah, maybe you don't build around him as your starter long term, but like he is a good soldier. And there is a ton of value in being a good soldier. Right? Yes. Like Aaron Rodgers, probably not a good soldier. <laughs> if you're the Packers brass and you've gone through everything they've gone through, they're like, man, kick rocks. We're we're good on, on all of this stuff. Yeah. And same with the Raiders and Derek Carr. Yeah. You know, so like there's there's a even if you're not an elite player, you get a certain level of organization organizational stability when your quarterback is like, all right, well, at least he's a good dude and he's not going to act weird and hold our organization hostage or completely tank our season because he's like throwing a hissy fit and upset with the fact that he got benched and or drafted to replace like whatever. Is vibes just going to be a thing team start evaluating with quarterbacks? I mean, is is vibes just the new the new word for culture? Yes. I like the cut of this guy's jib. Might not be very good, but man, is he fun to have around? (laughs) So, hey, um, real quick, I want to run this by you because I I wrote about this in (laughs) NinersWire.com. If you notice me plugging the site more, it's because I need clicks. I got bonuses to hit, bro. Um, Quan Alexander, yes or no? In free agency? Yes. I'm what's, very pro contract cheap, like not super expensive. Yeah, I mean, speaking of vibes, he's like the ultimate vibes guy. Right. He's a terrific vibes guy. He and was, you feel better about him than Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, probably, or Oren Burks, as your Sam. He's been around. He knows the team. He made 1.27 last year. So, yeah, can he with the get Jets, him for a couple still, this year? He's only 29. He's cheap. He's younger than Javon Hargrave. Um, and younger than me. I would... I would add Quan Alexander for the vibes. I would also draft a linebacker potentially with one of your third round picks. Yeah, that's fair. I would do that too. If for, if for less than the third linebacker, because you only have Dre Greenlaw for one more year. 
Yeah, like I'm not going to get paid, paid. I'm not adding Quan Alexander with the hope of like, OK, we have our Sam. I'm adding Quan Alexander with the hope of like, all right, well, maybe he can play for us, add to our vibes, but we're still going to like have a contingency plan. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Like Hold Quan on. Alexander is is the Sam Darnold of linebackers. The Sam Darnold of Sam's. <laughs> Sam linebacker. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It, cool. Like that I'm makes glad. sense, I'll right? I'll phone it in. I'll call Kyle and John, and we'll we'll make that happen. I have no idea what he looked like last year for the Jets, but I'm, I just have his spot track up now, and he's twenty. He was twenty eight last year and made just over a million bucks. Like if that's what it is, and he plays some for you. Like Nick Bosa in the middle of the 2019 season on a defense loaded with talent and all pro guys like around the playoffs called Quan Alexander the MVP of the defense. Right. Yeah. He was a dude. But just all vibes. Like literally. Yes. <laughs> Quan Alexander was like, oh, he's, a, he's an okay linebacker. He's got some range. He'll miss a shitload of tackles for you, but he's literally all vibes. One of the one of the best pieces of advice I ever got about working in in media is just be a person that people like being around. Quan yeah. Alexander's made an NFL career of it. Like he's yeah. better at football than I am at what I do, but it's very much like literally the onus for me being like they should bring back Quan Alexander is like that'd be fun. No idea if he'd be an upgrade or not over Aziz Alshire, but. No, but yeah, just vibes like just great vibes, great culture. Fred Warner, like loved it. Like, OK, here's an example. People like people are probably rolling their eyes. Like, what does vibes even mean? 2020 definitely happening. I'm sorry for saying the word. That much. <laughs> In 2019, the first time I, I realized that the 49ers were had a potential to be like a good team, like they went to the Super Bowl, right? They were an elite team. First time I realized like, oh, this team might be like a real, real problem when they went to Denver in training mm. camp to have joint yeah. practices and they had an early morning practice. So it was like a nine or 10 AM practice start time. And the Niners just kicked the Broncos ass. And it all started with Quan Alexander and Fred Warner, just like firing the team up and getting everybody ready to go. And they were just like, just talking all sorts of shit. And it, again, it was the Joe Flacco-led Denver Broncos, coached by Vic Fangio. It wasn't like an elite Broncos team. It was like any a team. good Broncos team. But the vibes were like, oh, the 49ers are just out to kick ass here in the middle of August for no reason. J- just from the standpoint of, oh, hey, we want to be competitive. We're on a football field, and we're going to be better than you guys. And Quan Alexander was like a ringleader for that, right? Like yeah. that's how the hot boys linebacker thing started. And that's what vibes can do for you. It's just like an energy, an, an, an energy yeah. thing. It's a, it, it, you're right. It's a word for culture. Yeah. Like that's all. Football character is how Ooh. John Lynch might describe it. That's great. Big He's listener. Character. Big listener to the show. I would assume. Oh, of course. We talked about Colton McKivitz maybe getting a contract extension last week and then Colton McKivitz. Bang. Contract extension. If John Lynch says vibes next time he talks to the media, we'll know. <laughs> anything else no Kevin that's Givens it. is back i think we mentioned that kevin givens is back uh we there's still going to be some we'll have more free agency stuff later in the week jake brendel still a free agent 
getting some interest from else from other teams. Jake Brendel. Oh. Hmm. What are the 49ers going to do at center if Jake Brendel leaves? A topic for Keith, another day. That's a tease. Keith Ishmael. Hmm. Sure. San Diego State legend. No. Of course. The Nick 49ers have had. The 49ers have had a lot of success with class. with former San Diego State Aztec offensive linemen. So. Run skill. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. I think You're he was a tight around. end. I think he was the tight end at San Diego State. An Aztec, nonetheless. Dude, through and through. When you said former <laughs> offensive lineman from San Diego State, I'm like, Trump, was go to San Diego State? No, he sure did not. He went to a little <laughs> little school called Oklahoma. Is that? Mm, never heard of him. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's not SEC. I'm not paying attention. Yeehaw. Well, it is in a few years. Next year? Yeah, but not yet. Not yet. I'll acknowledge Trent Williams' college in a few years. It sure. just means more. You do that. <laughs> it just means okay. more. Okay. So it's kind of a kind of a weird schedule this week. Just keep an eye on your feeds because there'll be when stuff happens, there'll be pods for it. Is how we're treating this week. Yes. I will be on a plane for like half of this week. Uh, so we'll try to work around that. Might be solo. It might be with Chris. It might be with guests. But either way, there will be content up on this feed. And it'll be great. I can't wait. Figure it out. Shout Javon out to the Hargrave. 49ers for being active. Who would have thought? Not me. Less than $4 million in cap space. And boom, they signed the one of the best free agents available. $20 million bucks a year on average. They're going for it, man. The chips are in the middle of the table. And we'll talk about it later, but it's the the idea that like, oh, cap space isn't a thing. Like, no, it's a thing. Just like wait in a few years when some of these contracts, the 49ers have to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. But anyway. Eventually the bill comes due. For now, like, here's how I would put it. And this is the last one. Dude, it's worth it. Look at what the Rams are doing. It's worth it if you win a title. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, like converting money from salary converting it to bonus so you create more cap space that's like getting a loan to pay off credit card debt <laughs> you know like oh i don't have any more credit card debt well <laughs> you still have these loans to pay off <laughs> I've that's done how it, it works <laughs> that's how it works anyway okay. kicking the can down the road absolutely like oh, the miners are still paying d for like seven million dollars right it's not helpful but the cap is going up so that that's the one silver line Anyway, Niners defensive line, going to be good. Yeah. Third quarterback spot, going to be good. One way or another, whoever it is. All right, we're getting out of here. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah.